Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Hey, thanks for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Now, there is one thing that keeps salon owners up at night. I know so many owners who find this one thing the most stressful and challenging part of owning a business, especially right now when we're trying to manage a business that is closed or maybe operating at its bare minimal. Now, do you know what that one thing is? Yes. It's humans. <laughs> now, the nature of the hair and beauty industry is that we're constantly surrounded by humans, or as you know them, your team. And the stressful thing about managing the humans inside of our business is dealing with the different personalities, the emotions, the drama, the never-ending challenging, challenging times, especially at a time like this when we're trying to manage them remotely or keep them busy when we're not serving clients. It doubles down on the challenge. But there's one key thing that will help you deal with this a whole lot better, and that's understanding emotions. Understanding the emotions of both yourself as the owner and salon CEO, and your team members. It's key to successfully lead a team that functions well, like a well-oiled machine. So in this episode, I'm joined with Don Woods. Now, Don is the CEO and founder of Inspired Performance Institute, a company which works to create innovative strategies to help people heal from their limiting effects of trauma so they can feel and perform at their best. Now, trauma, you say, that's interesting, but I really want you to listen to this because it's not what you may think it seems. Don will share with us his expert knowledge about managing and understanding our own emotions and the emotions of our teams so that we can better lead our teams and be better all-round people. I really look forward to you meeting Don. Don, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. I'm really pleased to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited to share some of the information with you. So I came across you on another podcast. I listened to two episodes and I was so taken with your story, what you had to share, the insights that uh, you gave. And I really felt that my audience, hair and beauty salon owners, would really uh, get a lot of value from your story. And um, so I'm, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm super excited to have you here. So I think, you know, for hair and beauty salon owners, we, we sell hair, we sell beauty services, but really we're building a business of teams. We can't grow and scale a business without growing a team. And um, but this also is the one thing that keeps us awake at night uh, because the human element inside of our businesses, it can be stressful, it can be challenging. Um, and this is an area that I think is maybe your expertise. It is. <laughs> so why don't we start with why don't you tell us where you are in the world um, what you do how did you get to be doing what you're doing well it's funny I do want to start off with I think it's actually a little 
odd that somebody with no hair is on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How perfect is that? We don't discriminate. <laughs> oh, okay, awesome. So let me tell you about how uh, we started the Inspired Performance Program. If you hear the title, in the, uh, it's basically the Inspired Performance Program. It's not trauma therapy. But it really started, the genesis of it was trauma. My wife and daughter experienced uh, a lot of trauma. My, my wife, uh, her whole childhood was filled with trauma. And my daughter had some traumatic experiences that we didn't know about until she was 16. So that actually you know, affected so I was really, I grew up in the opposite, no trauma, uh, this idyllic childhood. And so it was a surprise to me that people were living with trauma. And so once I met my wife and I realized that her world was different, I didn't realize how many people's lives were just like hers. And then when my daughter got Crohn's when she was 14, we didn't discover her trauma until she was 16. My wife really started doing a lot of research trying to figure out how to help her, but she uh, couldn't find any answers. It was always managing, coping, living with it. So um, my wife said to me, you've got to find an answer to this. So I went back at my PhD and said, I'm going to study trauma. And what I discovered is life-changing. The way that they're currently treating it is managing, living, coping with it. And what I have found is that we can actually eliminate the effects of trauma. And that will change your life when you can do that. This is why it's so exciting uh, that there is something that's reversible. I think that was so profound for me listening to uh, to you in the past. Yeah, I mean, so many people are struggling with this. And, and again, you know, your audience are business owners. So that brings in a certain element of, you know, issues with it. And then especially a lot of women, right? I work with a lot of women who have experienced the world is not as safe for women as it is for men. It doesn't mean it's all as safe for men either, but it's certainly not as safe for women. And so growing up as children, right, there's constantly that threat that they have to deal with. You know, I always say to men that you and I can walk out in the parking lot at night and go to our car. We're not thinking about what cars are in the parking lot, who are in the cars, right, what time is it, right? That is a different world. So my wife, uh, developed Hashimoto. She has a uh, thyroid condition because she was constantly producing cortisol. And so what I always talk about is that when we have unresolved trauma, it creates inflammation in the body. The inflammation then affects the immune system and the neurotransmitters. So people are getting sick because their immune system is compromised. And then they're also feeling bad because the neurotransmitters are and the only solution up to now is either medication or treating how to manage coping. And what I say is, why not eliminate it? And that's what we've discovered is we can eliminate it. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. So I guess the first question I have is, how do we discover that we have uh, ongoing effects and connect it to trauma or events that have happened in our lives? How can we connect the two? really simple way. If you think about something that happened to you five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, and you feel an emotion, right? You get emotional about it, then it's active. Because what's the purpose of an emotion? The purpose of fear is to escape a threat. The purpose of anger is to attack a threat. 
So if you think about something that happened to you 20 years ago and your heart starts pounding and you're scared, it's a glitch. It's an error message. Your mind is reading the information in real time. You see, your subconscious mind, your survival brain, sees things in the present. And if it sees a threatening event, it's being stored in high resolution, high definition. And the mind is confusing the information with the event. And then it creates a physiological response to prepare you for fight or flight. But there's no fight or flight necessary. Does that make sense? For sure. I mean, yeah, I think we can all resonate with uh, a memory or a thought or an event that still makes our heart pound. And for that sure. That tells you that it's active. We need to get it updated because your mind thinks it's still happening. And so if it thinks it's still happening, doesn't it make sense that your mind would create a response to it? It would try to protect you against what it feels mm. is a threat. But mm. it's an error. The reason it's active is because your mind is seeing the high definition, the very bright, intense data that your mind is recalling from memory. And it sees it as if it's happening now. So it automatically, your autonomic nervous system sees it as a threat. And it tries to protect you. So I worked with a U.S. Army sniper who had to shoot and kill a 12-year-old boy. And he couldn't talk about it. He just cried every time he talked about it. And by the time I was finished, he could talk about everything that happened that day. And so he goes, how did you do that? And I said, for eight years, your mind has been trying to get you not to pull the trigger. Hmm. Because it thought you were shooting a 12-year-old boy. Wouldn't it make sense to stop shooting a 12-year-old boy to stop it? But you couldn't stop it because it doesn't exist anymore. It's just information. That's the glitch. That's the error message. So what we can do... Um, if I asked you what you ate for dinner last night, can you tell me what you ate for dinner? Uh, nachos. Nachos. So you looked to the side, you looked up, and you saw pictures, right, of what you ate. Mm -hmm. I did. <laughs> that's how you stored the information about what you ate for dinner last night. That's unique to humans. We store explicit detail about events and experiences in our lifetime. Because it wasn't threatening, it was stored as a fairly low-resolution file. It wasn't taking in a ton of information. But at that being threatening, your sight, smell, hearing are all going to be intensified. So it's going to record that differently. Very bright, very intense in a theta brainwave state. And then what happens is if something reminds you about it and you start thinking about it, then your mind starts looking at this old data in high resolution. And it's happening now. And there's where the emotions come in. And so what we do is we're going to take that high-resolution data, get your mind to reprocess it into the same format as to what you ate for dinner last night. And then the emotion stops because it's just information now, not a threat. That is so powerful. I mean, first of all, it's amazing that we can even do that. And I just love this concept that... Um, our brain, like, it's almost like, you might have a better way of explaining it. It's almost like our brain is not us, and we actually have the ability to manage it and deal with it and do things with it intentionally. And I think there's this other side where people think they've got no control over their brain or their emotions or what they can do. And so I think it's really empowering that we can go, oh, I think I'd like to change that about my 
makeup? How powerful is it? The mind and body are designed to heal. The reason it hasn't healed is because your mind has an error message. It's continuing to loop through this trauma. Until that gets resolved, your mind is going to continue to respond to it. Mm. So my wife was always responding to the trauma from her father. So if I said something like, no, I don't like that, she could start to tear up and start to cry and go, why are you mad at me? And I would go, mm. wow, how did you think I was mad? I didn't say that I was mad. I didn't, to me, I don't think I said anything differently than I was talking to you right now. But as a child, she had learned to listen very, very carefully to the way her father spoke because she had to recognize when he was getting mad so she could protect herself. And so if I had a little bit of frustration in my voice on something else during the day, I can't hear that little vocal change, but she hears it like, no, I don't like that. And then what's happening is all the information that looked like that, what does she know about a man starting to get angry at her? All the information about her father would also come into her senses. So she would start experiencing all that below her conscious awareness. So a flood of data is coming in. That's why her nervous system would get dysregulated. I thought it was what I said that was making her cry. It wasn't. Her mind was feeling fear because of all the information about the experiences with her father, seeing it in real time. That, when you change that, then your mind can stay present and in the moment. And that's the key. So you want to be a okay. better business person, you want to be a better spouse, you want to be, you know, um, whatever you're looking for, all you have to do is get that cleared up so you can stay present and in the moment. Yeah, and not have this reoccurring uh, emotion, emotional reaction to things that, from the other po person's point of view, is not necessarily happening. And here's the other great thing. So a lot of these people that you're working with, right, are entrepreneurs. They've got staff or, you know, or, or team members that they're trying to work with. They say something. Your team member responds with anger or whatever, right? What you need to understand is they're not necessarily just like me. My wife wasn't responding to what I said. They were responding to all the pain. Mm. So when you can apply that understanding that your team member, right, has been hurt, and she's not necessarily responding and mad at you, she's just hurt by all this information coming in. She doesn't even know it's happening. But she just explodes, right? And you're like, gosh, I just said this. Why is she now yelling at me, right? Why is she crying, right? It wasn't because of what you just said. It was all the other experiences that came flooding in at the same time. It's like all of a sudden 100 TV screens turned on. They're all horror movies. <laughs> but the converse, yeah, and, but the same can happen to us, right? Team members can trigger us. And we can be looking at our team and saying, why are they treating me like this? Why are they speaking to me like this? But in fact, it's our old um, TV screens that are, are blaring, potentially not about our team members at all. Exactly. So for me with my wife, right, she's crying. So if you were observing me and my wife talking, you go, gosh, this guy makes her cry all the time. Right? Why is he doing that? Right? That wasn't my attention. It wasn't my wife's belief that I was going to hurt her. It was a glitch of too much data affecting her nervous system 
that she wasn't in control of. It was an automatic system, right, designed to protect my wife, right? And so that's what was happening. But I kept thinking, right, what am I doing wrong? And then my wife was like, why are you mad at me all the time? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not mad at you, right? And then she would say, but you said it like this. And I'd say, well, now I'm getting mad because you're not being mad. Right? And then that could disintegrate that whole conversation into an argument that never had to happen. Yeah. Okay. So um, if we can recognize as a business owner that we are flaring up in our relationships with people and triggered by things, what's something that we can do to recognize it or I guess take responsibility for ourselves in that situation? So How do we solve this problem? <laughs> Really, that's what our program is designed to do, is to get your mind updated so it stops that filtering through all that high-resolution data. Once we get that reprocessed into a lower state, a lower resolution, then we won't respond to it, right? It's just science, right? So if I have a filter, right, and I pour water through the filter, the water's going to come out clear. But if I pack mud into that filter and I pour water through it, it comes out muddy. Right? Think of that as your thoughts. Right? How could you not have muddy thoughts if it's filtering through mud? Right? So what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with you. Your mind is filtering through your experiences to respond to what's happening now. Mm. And so as long as that filter is full of mud, it's going to produce not your best thoughts. So once we clear out that filter, then the water can pour through that and come out clear. So now your thoughts are clear. And we can be present with those uh, and their true intentions. Yes, because we're designed to stay present, but what's interfering with that? No animal can do this. It's only humans that can do this. Animals don't store that explicit detail about events and experiences. So I always say that a zebra cannot feel fear of a lion unless there's a lion present. Zebras can't wow. remember lions. Zebras can't imagine lions. But if a lion shows up, zebra is capable of protecting itself. Right? But if zebra could think about lions or remember lions, it would stop eating, mating, taking care of its babies because it would be perpetual lion. That's what we're doing to ourselves. And then somebody says something to us, and then it's like your mind actually does a Google search. What does that look like, sound like, smell like? What the experience is for? Goes into memory, starts pulling up all this high-resolution data, and then starts a whole bunch of responses to the old data, not to what the person just said. Understanding that concept alone is um, life-changing for, for your people, right? Fixing it so. absolutely changes it. But at least understanding that when one of your team members, you know, starts crying or yelling or threatening to walk out on you, there's something going on. They're filtering through something, right, that, that you didn't create. But now, if you don't understand that, you could respond with your own trigger about why are they being disrespectful to me, and then all of a sudden it's all disintegrated, right? For sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think um, the first thing that I can see as helpful is to remember that other people's responses aren't necessarily about you. Yes. 100%. Would that be a helpful thing to remember? Very. 
having understanding is a key. That the people couldn't do it any differently than the way they're doing it based on the way their mind is filtering through their life experience. That alone is really powerful. Mm. So a great way when you recognize that, here's something that you could do. You could see them getting dysregulated, right? The best way to say that is I can see that you're upset right now. What could I do to help you, right? I understand that you're upset. What could I do to help? Because then that's not what they're expecting. They're expecting an attack. And if mm. all of a sudden you provide some understanding, then all, then they, all of a sudden their guard starts coming down. They're not feeling threatened. I'm willing to, I understand, because they, they want to be understood, right? And what can I do to help you, right? Just those words, right, will change their response. For sure. Yeah. What about for self when we find ourselves uh, triggered in that moment? how can we catch ourselves in that moment? Because it's, you know, it's a fleeting moment that we have to, to catch ourselves before we go off the rail, right? It's, it's, very, it's very difficult. There's a part of the brain um, called the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex. That part of our brain is our impulse control. And so when I would say to my wife, no, I don't like that, even if she thought I was getting mad, that part of her brain could say, okay, let's think about this. Let's use some reason and logic. Is he really getting mad? Maybe I could just ask him, you know, uh, I'm not sure what you meant by that. Is there something wrong? That's what she could do with that part of her brain under normal conditions. The problem happened was not that. When the flood of information, because maybe it sounded like I was getting mad and I was going, not that I would ever hurt her, but her father did she couldn't stop the reaction of the tears and the fear because of too much information coming in about prior experiences that weren't happening. So the key is to be able to get that updated so that you stop that response that that lateral, the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex is like a gatekeeper. So if somebody cuts you off in traffic, right? You go, oh, I'm gonna chase that guy down and give a piece of my mind. That part of your brain can go, hold on, not a great idea, right? <laughs> that impulse control, right, is there to protect us. Now, the problem comes in is if your mind interpreted that as somebody being disrespectful to you, and then all the times that you've been disrespected in your lifetime comes flooding in. Now that gatekeeper just gets knocked over. It can't stop the flood of information, and then you go into a rage. It's just science. It's just the way mm. the brain works. Mm. And that's right. And so what do they do? They teach you anger management. Why do we want to anger? Why do we want to manage anger? Right? We want to eliminate it. And the only way that you know that we can do that is to get the mind to stop that glitch of looking at that old data in real time in high resolution. It's amazing. Okay. I've got a question for you uh, around trauma itself and uh, how, um, like what is it, what is the type of trauma that we're talking about that creates this glitch or this long lasting glitch? I mean, it's a loop, isn't it, of trying to fix the, the, the old problem. 
is it really big event trauma or is this sort of everyday type of life events? What are the, what are the triggers that, that create this type of loop in our minds? Well, it could be big T trauma, which is the obvious thing to a physical sexual assault. Um, but it can also be small T trauma that I call emotional concussions, right? So we get bumped every once in a while. You know, a teacher when you're in school told you, you know, like you're stupid or you're not smart enough. Or a coach said you'll never be good enough to play professional, you know, in a sport, right? That's an emotional concussion. But children especially don't have enough life experience to understand what that means. As an example, my wife, one of the traumas for her, this would be what I call an emotional concussion. She was uh, dealing with all this abuse at home, and then she gets invited to a friend's house where the mothers are putting together a tea party. So she's so excited. Her grandmother dresses her up in a real pretty dress with the gloves and everything, a little purse. And she goes there, and the mothers are all sitting around. And when she comes up, they say, oh, my gosh, look at her. And one of the mothers said, she's going to be a heartbreaker. And my wife started to cry because the way she interpreted it was that they see something bad in me. I'm going to hurt people. Oh. Right? That stuck with her all the way into her adult until we updated and changed. And she would still, if she told you that story, she would cry as, a, as an adult. And so once you get that updated, then now you think, doesn't make sense. Now, if that happened to her when she was 30, as opposed to six, she would have had a totally different response to it. She would have just said, oh, that was really nice. She thinks I'm really pretty, right? But as a six-year-old, she interprets it completely different. And then those are the kinds of things that also continue, right, your mind resonating to. And then obviously the big T stuff, right, is a real threat response. So, all you have to do is get your mind to reset that data. And it's going to respond with high resolution traumatic data until it's fixed. That's why I say if it's unresolved, it's going to continue to affect you. Now, my mm. wife was high functioning. So if you had met her, you would never have known, right, that she was dealing with that. But behind the curtains, I could see. When I yes. first found out about it, she said to me, I can't tell anybody. She says, I'm telling you, I've never told anybody. This is my secret. Whatever you do, you're sworn to secrecy. And that didn't make sense to me because I said, it doesn't affect how I feel about you. Why would you think it would affect how other people? But she was like, oh, no, no, no. This is a reflection on me. It's a reflection on my family. I don't want anybody to know that. And so now, after we've got it resolved, she would sit on this show right now and tell you everything happened. No more shame, no more guilt, no more regret. Right? It's over. Right? And she's mm. okay. So that's the difference. Your mind has just experienced life a certain way, and your mind continues to use those experiences to respond to the present information coming in. So because we start with the fact that there's nothing wrong with you, right? All we have to do is get your mind to reset. It's a computer. Right? Mm. So if you hit your M key on your computer, your computer shuts off. You don't say, oh, my computer's bad, right? What you say is my computer's got a coding error. So we don't throw up the computer. We just fix the coding error so that the M key is an M key and the shutoff key is a shutoff key. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. So even with people in addiction, 
dealing with people with addiction would say, there's nothing wrong with you. You had emotional pain. You found a resource that temporarily stops the pain, right? So of course your mind, right, is going to want to keep that resource going because it solved the problem. And because you repeated it, the part of your brain, like the animal brain that learns through repetition and association, has associated that substance, whether it's drugs or alcohol, with your survival. That's why it doesn't want to give it up. And so why people get stuck in the spiral, but what, the way they treat it is they'll tell you that you're broken, you're defeated, you have a character flaw, a willpower problem, or something like that. And what I say is, no, you don't. It's science. I've never had a drink in my life. I've never touched a drug in my life, but I didn't get traumatized. Right? And I'm living in a very nurturing, loving home where my nervous system is constantly being regulated. So if I got bumped at school that day, something happened to me or by a teacher or another teammate, right? I'm coming home and instantly feel safe. Mm. So of course, my nervous system could go out and expand, but then could come back in and go back into balance. My wife was living with the lion. So there was no safe place. And so, and I know you probably have probably more women than men, but it happens to men too. But if women have experienced that all their lives, of course, there's going to have an effect on them as adults. They can still be high functioning. They can still be running their businesses. But if they've got that unresolved trauma looping, right, it's going to show up somewhere, whether in their health or their, the way they're feeling. So that inflammation is going to affect their immune system so they get sicker. And it's going to affect their neurotransmitters, so they're going to feel bad. And that's just how our lives work. But we can fix it. We don't have to live with it, manage it, and cope with it. I say if you went to your dentist, you have a toothache, and your dentist said, no problem, I'm going to take a needle, I'm going to put this needle in your gum, we're going to freeze it up, do you feel the pain? No, I don't feel any pain. Okay, so here's a pamphlet on how to deal for the rest of your life with toothaches. <laughs> That's right. Go, and here's oh. some here's some <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take it out. Go down the street, get a dentist who remove it. Right? That's mm. what we're capable of doing. And that's life changing. So I love working with business owners because in order to even be in a business, right, you have to have discipline. And if you have discipline, you can fix it. As long as you stick with the program, people say, well, what if I don't believe that this is going to help me? I say, well, you don't have to believe in science. I said, I can get on the third floor of a building and jump off, and if I don't believe in gravity, it doesn't matter. I'm going to grab, right? Yeah. It's not a belief thing. It's just basically how the mind works. And so the other thing that I love about what you're doing is statistics now tell us in the last 15 to 20 years, the success rate of small businesses are growing, right? There's a lot of belief that the failure rate of these small businesses are really high, and that mm -hmm. used to be true. But now people have resources like you, resources like James Wedmore, all these people who can bring in additional resources to help them grow their business. We're seeing staggering success rates, right, that never existed before. So it's so great that there's this kind of community for them. And what you're doing is phenomenal to try to bring them, you know, I'm a resource, you're bringing lots of different resources to them. That's actually helping them succeed. 
And if they're successful and they want to be continue to be successful, I would just have to keep on. In my new book, The Emotional Concussion, I talk about 10 things successful people never do as opposed to 10 things successful people do. So the idea is if you can recognize that you're doing one of these 10 things, right? There's nothing wrong with you. It's come from an experience. For example, mm. successful people don't blame other people when something fails. If you find yourself always blaming, you know, oh, I hired the wrong person. I should have never done that with that person. That was their fault, right? That's your mind because probably when you're earlier, maybe you got blamed all the time and things went wrong. So your mind will try to avoid that pain. But the best way to say it is I hired the person. I made, right, the error in judgment, right, not their bad, right? Mm. I didn't see something. Maybe I didn't do enough due diligence. Maybe, right, there was something that I could have done better, not they're the bad person. That's one thing. You know, uh, successful people don't uh, procrastinate. So if you do procrastinate, there's a reason why you are. Your mind's trying to avoid something, and it's generally pain. Um, successful people don't feel lucky. As you know, to build a business, it's hard work, right? There's a little bit of luck involved. There's a little bit of fortune involved, but nobody really is lucky to be successful. They've worked very, very hard. So those are the kinds of things that I talk about. But if you recognize yourself in one of those, all you have to do is identify what created it and then fix it. All right. So I'm sure you're going to give me the link to your book uh, so we can share that on the show notes and make sure that people can get their hands on it. I think I might like to read it myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, emotional Concussions is at our website, um, Inspired Performance Institute. Fantastic. All right. We shall link them up in the show notes to make it super easy for you. All right. It's been amazing. It's, uh, it's a really interesting insight. And I hope that it's brought some value and some new thinking to uh, those of you listening. So as we wrap up, Don, um, you're a business owner also. This is your business. So what is a, a, a quote or a mantra or something that keeps you sane and running your business that you might share with us? The, the best advice I ever got was from a tennis pro who was like a mentor of mine when I was 13. And he said to me, he says, you really want to be a great tennis player, don't you? And I said, yes. And so he looked around to make sure that no one was listening. And he said, okay, I'm going to tell you the secret. And at 13, you actually think there's a secret. <laughs> so I was all excited. I'm like, finally, I've got the secret. And he said to me, he goes, lose a lot. And I was like, what does that mean? And he says, you're playing in the 13 and 14-year-old division. He says, start playing some tournaments in 15 and 16-year-old divisions and 17 and 18-year-old divisions. You're going to get beat because you're not fast enough yet. But if you play at those levels, you're a good athlete. You will eventually learn how to play faster and react faster because you're playing people faster. If you stay in your own division, you're going to be able to play really well because your speed is at that level. But it's not at the 16-year-old level or 18, but it will get there faster if you are willing to accept the loss, right? So you have to trade the loss for the experience. That mm. was the best advice I ever got. It, it, it applies to my business life, to everything else in my life. 
we're not going to win every battle, but we've got to take it. He says, but be humble about it. He says, don't be arrogant. Don't tell people, right, I'm going to beat you one day. He said, after you've taken a loss, he says, ask the player if they would be able to hit with you for 10 minutes one day because you can learn a lot from them. <laughs> and he says, they will pour knowledge into you. I love that advice. It's amazing. I love that. All right. Lose a lot. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Don. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. Don, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. I really adore everything that you say and really resonate with this glitch that we have in our brain. And I think once we recognize and understand it, we have a deeper understanding of ourselves, the way that we react, and also a little bit more compassion and understanding for our team. So I really, really appreciate that. All right, thank you for joining me. And uh, if you haven't already, please make sure that you join us uh, in the Survive to Thrive series around surviving the COVID-19 COVID, uh, COVID and really stepping into a place of thriving as it starts to change and as we start to come out and look forward into what's next because it's here. Uh, it's here for a good time, not a long time, and we need to be thinking about making the most of the time that we have available now, ensuring that we're making ends meet and really thinking about what's next. I don't want you to be giving up on your goals that you set for yourself for 2020. This is just a small pothole in the road of life. In your 2020 dreams, there is still time to reach the goals that you set for yourself. It's just a small setback. These things happen in life. How you deal with it and how you overcome it is everything. So come and join me in the Survive to Thrive series. It's running live in my free Facebook group, the Salon Owners Collective. I really look forward to seeing you there and make sure that you get access to the free uh, course that I created for you, Keep Your Business Alive. It's a whole three-step program that I've put together. It's free. I'm giving you free access. And there are uh, tips, masterclasses, activities that you can work on to make money right now uh, and some templates so you don't have to think life is hard enough and I want to support you. So make sure you get your hands on that. Um, and keep your ears and eyes open for the Momentum program that is launching soon. Make sure you're on the wait list. And otherwise, I look forward to seeing you same time, same place next week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.